0: If you're visiting with us, it's a real joy to have you with us today, and if you're joining us online, uh, I hope you are blessed and encouraged. We are starting a new series today called Curious Questions. Uh, This is about the questions that we come across as Christians, the questions we we get asked, the questions that get thrown in our face sometimes. Uh, Some of them may be less questions, they might be more objections, but you know what, we're just going to roll those two all together. Uh, And as my title says, today is all about us being prepared for them. And so today we will be laying the groundwork for this series. Uh, What does it mean for us to be prepared to answer these questions? And then in the coming weeks, uh, we will look at some of the specific questions that we're likely to come across. Questions like, what about how? What's going on with that? Uh, questions like the trustworthiness of the Bible. Uh, questions about why anyone would trust Christianity or choose Christianity uh, in amongst a whole sea of different faiths that are on offer. It uh, won't be a dull series, I can assure you of that. Uh, but it is my prayer, my prayer that you will be encouraged and built up through it. That you will be ready to follow Jesus in this world. Amen? Right. Well, before we get to it today, I want to point you to some resources. Uh, We we are ridiculously blessed by resources, uh, and particularly on the internet, although there's a lot on there I personally wouldn't turn to. Uh, These ones that I put up behind me, these are all websites or YouTube channels that I probably would recommend. not sure why the image is turning on and off. Uh, Stand to Reason, uh, Christianity Explored. These are both YouTube channels and websites. Uh, Lisa Childers, she has a, a podcast uh, and is on YouTube. This is actually her book from our library, Another Gospel, uh, highly recommended. Capturing Christi- Christianity, that's a bit more academic, uh, really gets into the depths of, around the, the philosophies of different questions that, um, that are there. Uh, and cross-examined with Frank Turek. Sorry, it keeps disappearing like that. It has a bunch of good resources, videos that are there. Aside from websites and videos like these, uh, there are good old-fashioned books as well. Uh, Pretty much all of these are in our church library. Actually, this one's not because I'm reading it at the moment, so you can't have it quite yet because I haven't finished with it. But all of these and more as well. Um, If you are interested at all, talk to myself talk to Gail. Um, again, we are abundantly blessed with resources there. If we, if we want to know more, if we want to look into these, we can. It's right there. It's a few taps on our phone screen, a few clicks of our mouse, or just grabbing a book out of the library as well. With that said, uh, I want to start today with what is probably the best-known passage around this subject from the Bible. 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, uh, around the topic that is commonly known as apologetics. Let me read it to you. Uh, here it is from the NIV. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now I've highlighted the word answer here in blue, this is the the Greek word apologia or apologia Uh, and this is the word that we get apologetics from. Apologia doesn't mean to apologise in the sense of saying sorry but it is uh, to make a reasoned defence. And it's used here in the sense of someone who's like in, in a lawyer in court making a reasoned defense for someone. And other translations, indeed, put, insert the word defense here. So they would say, always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, this is not about being defensive. No, no, that's something else. And it's very easy to do, you know, getting your back up. That's not what it's talking about. This is about being prepared with both the motivation and the reasons why we believe what we believe and do what we do. Both those things. Why we believe what we believe and why we do what we do. And this is really important. This is my first point here. Uh, that today would be would be that God uses many means to make himself known, uh, but you and I are his key means to making himself known. What do I mean by this? Look, God has got lots of options. He could do what he wants to do, couldn't he? If he wanted to, he could write in the clouds in the sky. He could, but he doesn't. Uh, God does, though, use other means to make himself known. Creation is one of his means. It's his creation. It bears his fingerprint. He uses that as a means. God indeed uses visions and dreams to make himself known. It's true. But the primary means, other than his word, the Bible, the primary means that God uses to make himself known is us, his people. And it should be this way, isn't it? This is God's design that the church, his children, the ones who bear his restored image would be the people to make him known. So, when Peter says, what Peter says here is not a suggestion to us. It is, in fact, a command. It's also an encouragement, but is it, a, it is a command, a charge to us as God's people. This is our job. Uh, this is why you and I are here in this world. This is fulfilling the Great Commission. So, you are got part of God's plan for fulfilling His mission in the world, to make Him known. Uh, Secondly, I want to highlight the motivation or mindset that we need to do this. Uh, Peter writes these verses, in fact he writes this whole letter, but he writes these verses to Christians who are facing persecution and as such he tells them, and he tells us, that if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. That is when you are like Jesus. That is what happened to him. And Peter encourages these suffering Christians uh, not to fear these threats that are coming against them, not to be frightened by them. And so you can be sure that being fearful and feeling frightened were realities in their lives. And then Peter gives them and us the motivation for this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord Despite all the fears and concerns that we might have, we need to revere Christ as Lord, as Lord over our sin. It's wonderfully true. We talked about that with the kids this morning, but also Lord over our lives. We are His. You are His. You belong to Him. Following Him and reflecting Him to this world isn't a small thing, and it isn't an optional thing. It is a great thing. And we need to know how great our Saviour and Lord is if we are to last in this world and if we are to be faithful to Him. got a story coming up about that a bit later. But when the fears arise within us, and they will, where is Jesus in our hearts? Is He small and weak? Is He just theoretical? Or is He risen and victorious over death? Is he seated on a throne in heaven at God's right hand, watching over us, waiting for us, interceding for us? Because if you have the first, the first mindset, the first uh, picture of Jesus in your mind, you're not very likely to follow him, at least not for long. No, we need this motivation. We need this mindset if we are indeed to follow him. Uh, thirdly, I'd point out that the Christian faith is reasonable. Peter makes this point. The Christian faith is reasonable. Uh, we are meant to be able to give reasons for why we believe what we believe and do what we do. Uh, to use the uh, the phrase I used earlier, this is one of the means of God. As I said earlier, he could he could write to people in the clouds in the sky. He could, but he doesn't. He could speak to everyone on the earth straight into their minds. He could, but he doesn't. No, he chooses to use you and I. Whatever you think about that, that's his choice. That's what he calls us to do. And as part of using you and I, he expects us to use reason. That the faith that you have, the faith that I have, the faith that we share is reasonable. The facts, the truth matter to God. He values them and he calls us to use them. Uh, lastly, I'd point out that Peter calls us to do all of this with gentleness, respect, and a clear conscience. Uh, these are things that, that temper our defence in this world. We are indeed called to be kind with the truth. We don't twist it, and uh, we are indeed gentle with it. We are also respectful towards other people in these discussions, these engagements, or we might disagree with them passionately. And we might even know they are wrong. But that doesn't mean we get to insult them or belittle them. Now, it's easy for me to say that. It's actually much harder to do it. But our behavior, your behavior, my behavior towards the world should always be one of innocence, even if it is speaking lies about us. And that is not easy to do. But it is important to God and it should be important to us as well. Let me give you these four points from 1 Peter chapter 3. Firstly, you are God's means to make him known. You are his witness. Yes, he does have others, but he is interested in you being his witness. Uh, secondly, your motivation is that Jesus is your Lord, who indeed has conquered the grave and awaits you. Uh, thirdly, your Christian faith is reasonable. It is reasonable. So know the reasons. Be prepared with the reasons. And lastly, fourth and lastly, we, we witnesses, we do this with gentleness, respect, and a clear conscience. Our actions must line up with what we say. Our point is not to beat others down, but to bring them to the truth that we ourselves know, uh, and to do so with the grace of God that we have experienced ourselves. Let me... Give you a historical example of this. This is Justin Martyr. Well, it's not actually. This is a painting about a thousand plus years after him, but you know, we've got to cut a break here. We didn't have many photos of him, did we? Uh, I should also mention that his last name, Martyr, was not actually his given name. That's more of a title, because yes, he was a martyr. Uh, he actually had his head chopped off. Uh, actually we'll get a bit more into that as well. But Justin Martyr lived a relatively short time after the apostles would have died. Uh, He's he's sort of a second or third generation Christian. It's not to say that Justin grew up in a Christian family, not at all. His parents were pagans, that is to say they didn't follow one of the main faiths at the time, Judaism or anything like that, uh, but they believed in spiritual things. But Justin, even as a young man, he was hungry for meaning, and this led him to look into the different philosophies of his time, the different ways of understanding the world and well, understanding everything. And he really got into these. Uh, He looked at one, and then he looked at the other, and then he looked at another. And he was indeed a philosopher himself. And then one day, uh, on a beach, he had a conversation with an old man. We don't know the old man's name but a conversation with an old man who shared something of the Christian faith with him. And soon after this, Justin was converted. And he writes of this conversion, saying, A fire was suddenly kindled in my soul. I fell in love with the prophets from the Old Testament and these men who had loved Christ I reflected on all their words and found that this philosophy alone was true and profitable. Both those things, true and profitable. That is how and why I became a philosopher, and I wish that everyone felt the same way that I do. Do you hear that last line? I wish that everyone felt the same way that I do. Justin wanted everyone to discover what he had discovered, he wanted everyone to have the same experience as he had had, and I think this describes someone who reveres Jesus as Lord in their heart. This is so good, so good for me. I want this for everyone. Well, Justin uh, loved understanding the faith. He had this bent toward philosophy, as I've mentioned. And he wrote several things, including a couple of books, the first of which was called The First Apology. Again, not saying sorry, but giving a defense of the faith. The second one, you might be able to guess it, was called The Second Apology. Maybe he wasn't the most creative with his titles, but they described what he was doing. These are defenses of the Christian faith. And I like how someone summarized the accusations that had been made against Christians in this time with three titles. It's more broad than that. But they summarized the main questions or objections to Christians in this time. Firstly, that Christians were atheists. Uh, Second, that they were into incest. They were incestuous. And thirdly, that they were cannibals. I'm not making this up. These are actual accusations against Christians. It's pretty wild, right? And it would be funny, except that Justin and others literally lost their heads over this sort of thing. So, it's probably not so funny actually. But all of these were huge misunderstandings about Christianity, and you might question, how could it get so wrong? Ah, but it does. It does. And I want to mention this because a lot of common apologetics, the stuff you and I will do, is actually dealing with people's questions and, and they're just wild misunderstandings about God, about Jesus, about Christianity as a whole. You know, these are the sort of things when people say, well, I heard a guy at work, or I read on the internet somewhere. You know, when you hear that, you go, uh huh respectfully, of course, and with gentleness, but you go, aha. You know, in Justin's time, not too long after Jesus had walked the earth, uh, in one sense, fake news was a problem. And it's still a bit of a problem, isn't it? But just what is meant here by atheism, because, I mean, that just seems wild, doesn't it? accusing Christians of being atheists. Well, it wasn't so much that Christians uh didn't believe in any God. It was it was particularly around the fact that Christians would not get on board with worshiping the Emperor or sort of the social religion, because that's what it was, a social religion. Christians, you're part of the the community, but you just won't do this that everyone else is doing. And the Christians are like, yeah, we won't do that thing that everyone else is doing. And so because of this, Christians, Christians made trouble. They were rebels. They were weird. They were different. And this upset the social order. And people didn't like them. We might experience this today as well. And Justin had to write to correct this. had to write, no, no, Christians are not against you. Christians are not against you, Caesar, not against you, those in politics. Not at all. In fact, we are called to be good citizens. We are called to be those who will help and give and serve others. Oh, but we can't. We can't worship the emperor. We can't do it. But we can do all of this. And and Justin, he was really good at taking the objection, the question, and turning it into an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Really, really good about that. Likewise with the charge of incest. I mean, can you see how this happened? Now, I want to acknowledge that I'm sure in a church somewhere, churches somewhere around this time, Yeah, probably incest did happen somewhere. There's also incest in the Bible. Not that it's spoken of approvingly, by the way. Uh, There's also laws against incest in the Bible as well. But no, this came about, the thought goes, because Christians refer to one another as brothers and sisters. So my wife, Robin, is my sister in Christ. And this is a profound truth. I think this is something we've actually lost today. My marriage will come to an end one of these days, probably when I'm buried by Robin, unfortunately. But it will come to an end. But she will always be my sister in Christ. This is actually a greater reality than my marriage. My marriage is just for this life, just for this world. But she will be my sister in Christ forever. It's a profound truth, one we, we probably gloss over a bit too quickly today. And you can see where the problem would come. Now, it's a wild problem, though, isn't it? I mean, how ridiculous is this? But again, Justin used this as an opportunity. Now, let, you, let me talk to you about the relationships we have in the church. Let me talk to you about the relationships we have in the body of Christ. We are all one family. Oh, and let me talk to you about Jesus as well. (laughs) And lastly, the accusation of cannibalism. Can you see where this came from? We're celebrating it today. Communion. I mean, think of the language that we we use. Eating his body, drinking his blood. Oh, my goodness. It's just ripe for misunderstanding, isn't it? They do a little bit. They do a little bit. that's true Chris and yet so much misunderstanding here about it so much misunderstanding and you know what this misunderstanding uh, it, it, it bubbled away for about the first 300 years and then it petered out It's quite a while eh quite a while I'm not saying it was the same strength all the time there But again, Justin's response to this was to write his apology, his defense of Christians and their practices. And he did this by explaining what Christians were really doing, which of course led to Christ at some stage. Look, I want to end here because Christian apologetics, what we're going to be looking at sort of in the coming weeks, it should always lead to evangelism. They should never, ever be separated They should always be linked together. And let me explain this with a picture. And I really think Justin was very, very good at doing this. Christian belief and practice is a bit like a door to a world. As Christians, we have a worldview. Indeed, we, we sort of have a philosophy, if you want to use that word. From, our, our, from the Bible, indeed, we have an understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, of who the Holy Spirit is, and indeed of what he has done in the world and what he is doing in the world, and particularly what he has done for us to save us, to rescue us. And look, if you go through that door, indeed, if you enter in, you will get to see this worldview. You will get exposed to the way Christians think that this world, all of it, is God's. You will get exposed to this worldview, this understanding, this belief that all of us, every human, is made in his image, warped as we are by sin. You will come to see that God has indeed sent Jesus to rescue us. And what a wonderful, wonderful thing that is, that anyone can come if they will indeed trust him. It's great. Are you with me thus far? fantastic. Well, the idea here is that Christians in this world would indeed talk to their neighbours, their workmates, those they go to school with about their faith, that we would be prepared to share Christ with them. But here is the problem. Our neighbours, our workmates, those at school, they have questions. And that's understandable, because there's a lot of misunderstanding in this world, but so often those questions really end up being a barrier between them to looking and considering Christ. And the thing is, we might want to talk about Christ, rightly so, but first we need to deal with the questions. We need to deal with the barriers. And if we deal with the questions, and if we deal with the barrier then indeed they might be able to come in and have a look. You know, if someone thinks that what goes on in a church is cannibalism, you should probably talk about that first because I think that's going to be an issue and they probably won't want to come along, eh? I want to suggest that apologetics is like the doormat to evangelism. It's really like making sure the way is clear, that people can come in, They can see, see our lives, and they can hear. It's been ready to answer people's questions, indeed, with gentleness and respect, so that they can look through the door and hear about Jesus. And I really like how Justin Martyr did this. In answering the questions, he got to talk about what Christianity really is, and saying, no, Christianity is actually not that, He got to talk about what it actually is. And I believe he did that with gentleness and respect. I believe he kept a clear conscience. As I said before, apologetics, what we're going to be looking at, should always lead to evangelism. The doormat goes with the door. They go together. That's the point of it. And this is what we're going to try and do in this series. Look at some questions. We're going to make sure the doorway is clear, so to speak that people can come in, people can see, and people can experience. Are you with me? Cool. Let me sum this up. Apologies, as I've said, is the doormat to evangelism. One should always lead to the other. Let's make sure we are welcoming people, and this means listening to them, what is on their minds, what is on their hearts, and if it's an honest question, answering it honestly. Uh, secondly, misunderstanding is common, expected. Don't be too surprised by it. It's always funny. But it doesn't happen a great deal. But, you know, you get the odd tradie who turns up here, walks into the foyer, and they're like, "What? Am I allowed in here?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Is this where we're at?" Yeah, come on. I'm like, yeah. I sort of want to ask what else is going through their minds. Are you feeling particularly guilty about something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh thirdly, I want to mention that you can't actually reason anyone into the kingdom of God. You might say, wait a minute, Mike, you're just talking about we're going to do a whole series on apologetics. And I believe it is really, really important we do this series and look at these questions. But I want to be clear, you can't reason anyone into the kingdom of God, at least not by reason alone. God calls us uh, to use reason, that you have a reasonable faith, that facts do matter. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead. And as Scripture calls, that is a great proof for us. But I mention this because the Holy Spirit must be involved. And this truth shouldn't dissuade you from speaking up, but it should actually encourage you to speak up. Your answer and my answer is never enough by itself. But if we can be like that old man on the beach with Justin, who can speak in, and the Holy Spirit is pleased to use that, Ah, what might come from it? What might come from it? So be encouraged. Uh, You are never working alone. You know, Justin Martyr, when he was threatened with death by the Roman prefect who came to arrest him, said, If we are punished for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, we hope to be saved. There is a man who knew where his hope was. He knew for sure. He knew what they could do to him. They would indeed be led out and beheaded. He and some of his students, his disciples with him. And yet his hope wasn't lost. His hope didn't let him down. I pray that we will know our hope with the same certainty. A hope that we will be excited to share with this world that needs it so much. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you do indeed call us as your children to be ready to make you known, and oh that we would. I want to ask your blessing not only over today, but this coming series, as we look admittedly at some hard questions. Some of them are perennial ones, ones that go on from century to century. Some are more questions of our time that we live in, but they are questions that we come across, questions that are on people's hearts and minds. I pray that as we do this, that Jesus, we will always, always be revering you as our Lord, indeed the one who has saved us, indeed the one who brings us to God. I pray that we would do this knowing your greatness and goodness for us personally, so we are indeed prepared, we are indeed ready to go out into this world and make you known, To indeed to be witnesses to you. But oh Lord, help us. Help us to give a good defense without getting defensive. Help us to do this indeed with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience that our words before others are also words before you. O Lord, that you look upon our actions. May we know the hope that we have in you and have the same faith as Justin Martyr, a faith that knows that our hope is sure and true It is one for this world and one for the next as well. We pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen.